Hi, and welcome to the Pride Road Architects podcast. I'm Lisa, Lisa Rains, and each episode I'll talk to people who interest me in the world of architecture and business. So join me and fellow lions and lionesses as we explore architecture in the den. So hi everyone and welcome to Architecture in the Den and today I'm delighted to welcome Tux Arutare. Um, So welcome to the show Tux. Thank you so much Lisa, thank you for having me, it is absolutely wonderful to meet you. And you too, so um, in my uh, effort to sort of increase brand awareness um i'm part of a uh, facebook group called Lightbulb, mm-hmm. and it's a bit of a magic group and it's there to connect journalists with entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and it's very they've got a very strict policy it's like no uh prs in there um and so what seems to be evolving in this group is just a really interesting group of like-minded entrepreneurial individuals and we um there's a there's a stream that says you know if anyone's got any podcast opportunities share it here and I did and then Tux got in contact so I'm really pleased (laughs) so what was it about the podcast that resonated with you well, the fact that we are in the same industry, you know, as you know, Lightbulb is a massive group and it's been such a blessing to me seeing the variation of industries and businesses that are out there. But when I see someone in the home industry, architecture, interiors, anything related, furniture, my heart literally skips a beat. I'm like, that's my people. <laughs> I found it fascinating that you're actually um, running a podcast on architecture and around the industry and particularly the fact that you decided at some point to begin to focus on renewables and sustainability so that was quite interesting too and I thought got to meet Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent so um, what is it that you do? So I am the owner of the Baby Cut Shop, which is a interior design studio for nursery rooms, children's rooms and playrooms, as well as a retail store. So we have our own brand of high-end furniture, linings and artwork and accessories for children's rooms. And we specialize in creating amazing nursery rooms for parents who want the best for their children. Mm. Um, so first of all, have you got a website? Yes, we do. It's thebabycutshop.com. So it's thebabycutshop.com. Amazing. We'll put it in the uh, in the description. Excellent. And you you've not just got a shop anywhere. Where's your where is your shop? Our shop is on the beautiful historic street, uh, the King's Road in Chelsea, London. Wow. There must be a, there's got to be a few stories about how that how you've managed to do that. Oh my goodness! How long have we got, Lisa? <laughs> so how long have you been there for? 
So we've actually been there for six years. However, the business has been running for 15 years and I've been in the industry for about 19 years. So right. I was something else in interiors and I had I had a shop in the United States. Um, yeah. Let's start from the beginning. I worked as a medical rep and because uh, I had a very strong interest in medicine, wanted to follow in my father's footsteps. He's a retired surgeon. And I really wanted to, to go in that direction because as a child, I would read his medical books and go through all of the pictures of, you know, skin diseases and everything gory. <laughs> and it was assumed that I would, but I was also really lucky to have been raised in Nigeria and also by parents who we didn't hold back from speaking words of life and affirmation to us, their children. And so my brothers and I grew up in this amazing space where we were told we could do anything, we could be anything. And the thought of failure or impossibility literally never was a part of my life. And so when I was 16, I moved back to the United Kingdom. I say back because I was actually born in Scotland. Mm -hmm. So I was born in Edinburgh and my parents moved back to Nigeria when I was a baby. And so I grew up in Nigeria and then turned 16 and came back here. The intention was to go to university, to go to medical school. But because I had a little bit of a, of a sizable head, it didn't occur to me that I needed to study extra hard for A-levels because I thought I was so smart I could pass and, and I didn't do well enough to get into <laughs> So I ended up going into study pharmacology instead at the University of Hertfordshire. And the intention was I'll study pharmacology and when I'm done, I will go to medical school. But I loved it very much and I enjoyed everything about human physiology. It was really a continuation of my childhood in many ways. But then I got married in my second year and I became obsessed with doing up our little flat in London. And I realized that I was spending less and less time in human physiology lessons and more and more time at home base and B&Q and fads. If you remember fads, fads was an, an old, <laughs> old interiors uh, decorating store back in the day. And one day I, I said to myself, you know what, Tox, let's just admit we have dropped out of uni because I wasn't even going any longer. So I then went to, I got a job as a medical rep with a pharmaceutical company, which was great. It paid well. It was wonderful. But I didn't particularly enjoy the bulk of the job. I loved talking to doctors about drug interactions with their patients, but that was all. And that was only a small part of the job. I didn't really enjoy it. And then I had my children. I had my third son. And at the end of maternity leave, I was due to return and really wanted to have more suitable hours as a young mother because my children were born. I had three children, ages three and under. And they were, oh. yeah, I know, <laughs> it was not exactly planned, but it happened that way. And I, oh my goodness, that was a time. <laughs> and so they wouldn't give me suitable hours. I had to work full time. But at the exact time I got the email from them turning down my request, I received, uh, I was, I happened to be reading a book and I was on the exact point in the book where someone had written into the author saying, how do I know what my gift is? And the author said, your gift is that thing you do so effortlessly that everyone thinks it's a big deal except you. I thought, hmm, 
for me, that's interiors because everybody loved my home and I didn't think it was a big deal. And so I went on to study interior design at a college nearby. I did a couple of design courses and then set up a residential design firm. And I had been running that firm for less than a year, maybe about six, seven months, really just starting to, to get into it. When one day my husband comes back from work and says, how do I, he says, he says to me, uh, why don't we move to the United States? And I said, yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so we sold our home and we packed our three little boys and off we went to the beautiful Sorry, city. Can I just Great little boys. Three little boys, yes. I have four <laughs> boys actually now because I ended up with a fourth. <laughs> ended up with a fourth. I was if girls were not meant to feature in my life, and I have no idea why. <laughs> Considering that Lisa, I don't have sisters, I've only got brothers. Isn't that something? Oh. <laughs> so I we went, so we moved to Atlanta. And in the process, I purchased a baby and children's furniture store, and it was a luxury brand. And that was my entry. In into the process. So how did you just happen on the... Oh, okay. <laughs> so it, it happened over a, <laughs> a two-year period before we finished in there. So I make it sound like, oh, let's just go. But it it sounds happened. so effortless. Oh, yes, I just... But you know, the funny thing, though, is that I think that failure has a can have a clarifying effect on you, but it can also knock your confidence. Because now when I think back to what I did then, I ask myself, would you do it again? You know, like, would you do it as effortlessly as you did? Because honestly, even though it did happen over a two year period, and by the way, the reason why I needed to purchase a business was a facilitation of our immigration into the U.S. because we right. we are obviously not citizens and we needed a reason to be there. So the the whole idea was, hey, we're going to buy a business, and we had options, and that was what that was our number one option. But what other options were you looking so at? The other option is that my my husband at the time worked in IT, yeah. and he, he could get a company sponsor him for for a role. So that was a, a second option. So yeah. those were probably our two main options options to be honest but we I decided mean, we, at this point were you looking at different businesses to buy yes. yeah absolutely I had zero desire to do anything to do with babies it was not my intention as a matter of fact I wasn't particularly looking for interiors either even though I had a uh, I had started an interior design company I was just looking for any business that that had a good amount of cash flow and made sense and I could run. And so the first business I came, I mean, we looked at everything from dry cleaners to sandwich shops. <laughs> How did you go about looking for a business? Where'd you? There's a there's a website called Biz by Sell. And uh, there are a couple other websites and they are, I mean, I, I haven't looked there in years, but that they were excellent for searching. So mm. I go onto Biz by Cell and that was my day. My husband will be at work. I'm at home with the kids and I'm just on Biz by Cell looking for businesses. Mm. And um, I had to fly out quite a few times to go either see it in person, meet in person. But the whole process was a learning experience because oh. we hired a business lawyer to help because, you know, we're completely green. We have no idea. Remember that even though I had been running, I had an interior design company, I could barely call it that because I had only been doing it for six months. I was stumbling in the dark. I didn't quite know what I was doing. I just knew that I was great at, at design. So yeah. the business side of it, I had no experience of. So we hired a, a lawyer to help. 
but he guided me because I remember when I went to, uh, when I was saying, hey, we see this dry cleaners firm and so on, then he, to save us money, he would actually go and have a look at it in the first instance before saying, okay, I think you can come have a look at this. Yeah. So he'd look all there and he'd be like, Tops, you know, their equipment is like 30 years old. You don't want it, you know, and so on. And gave various reasons. For example, the mm. dry cleaning industry is uh is 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 um owned in many ways by the Koreans, especially in Atlanta, because there's a very strong Korean um uh, uh, population there. And he said to me, I'm not gonna take my Amani suit to a non-Korean to dry clean because I know they're experts at what they do. So that made so much sense to me. And then I came across Hallmark. Hallmark was another one I considered. So mm -hmm. in the United States, the Hallmark cards actually have shops and there are Hallmark shops. Mm -hmm. I don't think we have Hallmark here. We do have Hallmark, don't we? Yeah, we do as a brand. I don't know whether it, there's shop, there used to be shops. Yeah. Okay. So, so Hallmark shops, so you have Hallmark shops, which only sold cards, and then you have Hallmark gold crown stores, mm -hmm. which sold 40% of Hallmark products, or 60% of Hallmark products, and 40% of whatever you wanted. Yeah. And so I had fallen in love with a particular one, and my intention was, I'm going to sell interiors, that's going to be my, my 40% is going to be interiors, and everything was going well, and we uh, had a, um, we, we even went as far as almost uh, going into escrow where you exchange contracts and you put the money in but then there was a clause on there that said if any either party pulled out then we would lose our money and it didn't make sense so we had to pull out of that then I just thought you know what I don't care I only want to hold my gold crown store so I began calling every single agent in the state of Georgia looking for a home at gold crown store and this guy saw one uh, had had advertised one and said tell me a bit more about you and I say to him I'm, I you know got these three children and my husband and I we want to move and he said you know what talks you very nice person and I don't want you to uh to so I don't want to frighten you but the area where this hallmark is is not a nice area but there's a beautiful store that I think is perfect for you it's high-end children's furniture and I was oh I don't I don't know I don't want to pigeonhole myself into children you know I love all people I love <laughs> <laughs> You know, I spent so much time with kids already. Why do I want to spend time with their furniture as well? So, but I went, flew over to Atlanta and I met the owners and I saw the store and we went to the trade show together. And that was when I was, I was just taken in. I felt wow. madly in love. And that was my introduction into the world of high-end furniture. Well, and, and business as well. Business as well, yeah, and business, because my previous business experience was really working as a checkout girl at Asda, so I had zero business experience. So, so it's, it's like from zero to, yes. on, you know, when you're talking about businesses, you must be looking at kind of, you know, balance sheets, profit and loss. Absolutely, absolutely. And then going to the States, God. Yeah. Yeah, wow. a new country, a new, you know, I mean, we didn't have family there. Later, I discovered I had a, a cousin there, which was wonderful. <laughs> but in, initially, we didn't know we had anyone there. But it was, we saw it more like an adventure. You know, it was an yeah. adventure. It was great. The kids loved it. We settled in. My fear, obviously, was that I was going to tank the business. That's what I just thought. All of our life savings, all of the money we have in this world has gone into this business. And if it doesn't work, I'm in trouble. However, it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It was 
it was just a great experience and the business actually started to grow. Uh, I think people loved hearing the story of the English girl or the British girl who has come over to Atlanta. And my my accent gets heightened when my English accent gets heightened, <laughs> especially amongst the Americans. And they thought I was the bee's knees. And they were like, oh my gosh, you're from England. <laughs> so I scored some brownie points there, but it was great. I, it, I mean, I learned very quickly one of the challenges I had was vocabulary because they in the United States pronounce or say certain things differently. Like we would call a we would say a valance, and they would call it a, a dust ruffle or a or a or a bed skirt. And and not just in the United States, in the South, their vocabulary is different from the rest of the U.S. <laughs> so it was learning all of these different words and and you know items that I didn't understand. But that was also where I learned how to use different patterns to create bed linings and because everything was customized you see right. and then after we had been there I, I think now we're now going into year three or year four mm -hmm. and it's just steady growth and we begin to hear rumors of a recession coming one of the friends of one of our friends husband walked at wall street and he said to her you know you need to talk to your friend and let her know that things are about to change and businesses are going to have a tough one next year. And it's so oh, happened. Yeah. So when was this? 2008. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 2008, the Great Recession. And yeah. so um, think twice about renewing your lease. And my lease was up for renewal. It was the hardest decision I ever made in my life. And eventually made the decision to close the store. But I, I thought, we're not going to close the store. We're just going to move it online. But as you, I mentioned earlier, the whole reason we were in the United States legally was because of our physical business. We, we needed right. to keep that going. So we lost everything and had to move back to England. Mm -hmm. And so we came back home empty-handed and I was pregnant with my fourth son. <laughs> I call that season the, the, of my life the perfect storm because everything that could go wrong literally went wrong like you know we lost everything our home we lost our business we lost our livelihood we lost the city we're living in we had to deal with explaining to three young boys why they couldn't see their friends anymore why they couldn't go back to school and all of that happened but then I after about because we didn't understand what was happening we could see that there was a problem in in the economy because we were in a strip mall in an area called Buckhead and Buckhead is like the Chelsea of Atlanta but we saw that all of the stores were shut in like it was like a domino effect like and it was only a matter of time before it came to us and as you know with a strip mall we all draw the traffic in and the traffic's reducing and the news is going on about the recession and people are not spending and people what so what what's a strip mall is it like um a line of shops yeah so it's like a it's like a u with yeah. an outdoor mall it's right. an outdoor yeah. so it's it's not an indoor mall it's an outdoor mall right so it's park so yeah, so in the middle type uh, exactly exactly the car park's in the middle and it's nice and easy and it's a very it's a staple part of um, many neighborhoods in the united states mm -hmm. so yeah that's what it was and it was so that was our, our um our experience and so when i came back i thought hmm 
Um, I we initially thought things are going to blow over. We're going to go back. We're going to start again. Everything's going to be fine because we hadn't quite lost it all. We were still losing in the period of in the process of losing it all. And one day it hit me and I thought, you know what? I need to face up to the fact that um, this what has happened really has happened. And the minute I accepted it, I just received a surge of strength and energy and I just got to work. And the first thing I needed to do was create a website so we don't lose it completely. And so it's a case of we're moving online. So I now didn't have any money. I needed a website. I uh, called a friend of mine in Nigeria who used to live here and he referred me to his friend. He says, you know, well, speak to this friend of mine. He lives in Leeds and he'll help you out. He'll sort you out with a website. So I called a friend and I say, hey, he's, I said, I'm so-and-so's friend. And he said, I can call you and you'll help me. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Just uh, tell me what you want. So I just explained. I said, I really don't care anymore. By this time, I had spent, I think, a good double digit, digits in thousands of dollars on trying to get a website up and running in the US. And it was one thing or the other. And I lost quite a bit of money doing that. And then uh, he told me, he said, oh, I'll just charge you a thousand pounds because you're um, Esau's friend. And I thought, okay. He goes, that's good, isn't it? I said, very, very good. And I hung up because I knew that if I had a thousand pounds, I would be spending it on nappies and wipes <laughs> and, and all of that. And I couldn't afford it. So I thought to myself that this guy I just got off the phone with, along with the other web designers I had worked with in the US, they all had one thing in common. And that is that they did not grow up. They were not born with the ability to build websites. And I can also learn. They had to learn. So I go on Google and type in how to build a website. Yes. <laughs> and I begin to learn a little bit about the different components of website building. I understand that the front facing part is a template and then there is a back end and there is a that con that there is a container for the for the products. And then there is um see this was 2008. This is not Shopify level at the stage, right? This is when there were, you had to do a little bit of coding and you had to shop for a cart from a company. You had to find a connector that connected your website to the cart. You had to find another connector that connected the cart to the payment processor and then the payment processor to your bank. It was very technical at the time, but mm -hmm. I was desperate and I learned it all and I put it all together and I had the website up and running. And I'm like, okay, but here I'm, I'm not in the US, I'm in the UK. So I began to research the UK market and look for beautiful furniture and linings and I see there is absolutely nothing like that in England and I uh, begin to approach different suppliers and trying to get them to uh, let me sell their products because in the, at the time I wasn't even thinking high-end I was like just anything and there were these stipulations oh we need you to have a physical shop we don't want online or oh, you need to buy a stock worth 20,000 pounds we don't want you to we're not doing drop shipping or anything like that mm -hmm. and the issue obviously besides the fact that I didn't have money was that e-commerce in 2008 was a bit of a dirty word in this country mm -hmm. because it was associated with eBay and if you remember eBay was known for selling secondhand goods and Amazon also started off say, selling secondhand books. And so they did not want their brands associated with that, which was understandable. So I headed to the EU and began to find craftsmen who created absolutely stunning pieces, who were good at what they did 
and they um, just were known in their locality only. And I said, listen, I want to bring your gorgeous furniture to the UK. No one's ever seen anything like that before. And they were, like, we're coming up with the same usual, well, we need you to spend X amount of money. We need you to, and I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm working with clients who want the best and they want the flexibility of of uh, customizing their goods and so on and so I took a little bit of what I had learned in the U.S. with my company and looked at the U.K. market and I put the two together and I just created this business and um and yeah and so my company at the time was called Pumpkin Patch Interiors which is what it was in the United States but then nobody understood or knew how to spell pumpkin because it's P-U-N-K I-N. And that's a pet name that fathers call their daughters. And so that's, we don't use that word here. One day I was on the phone. And so this is years later, I had now got into an office and so on. And I was on the phone and my, my um, assistant was on the phone and she was spelling our email address for like the 10th time that day. And I thought, you know what, that's it. We've got to change the name. And then we became the baby cut shop. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so that's why we changed the name. And so that, uh, we then of course now where we have beautiful items some of the challenges we faced were suppliers changing the design without notice or discontinuing an item or things arriving damaged that was such a big thing for us because it wasn't being packaged properly and we're talking things coming from the EU and, and changing hands with delivery companies a few times before it arrives to us and nobody's taking responsibility for where the damage happened. And uh, then I had one major incident that happened and I was having a nice uh, quiet evening with my family this particular day, looked in my inbox and I saw that I had received about six emails from my US suppliers. And I also was selling some of my US products here as well. And they said, uh, all said pretty much the same thing. Dear Talks, we want you to uh, take our products down from your website. Um, we can't work with you any longer. I'm very sorry. I was like, what? And it was out of the blue. There was no explanation. There was no warning. Really? But what happened? What had happened was one of my competitors had written to all of my suppliers and said to them, whatever she's doing in sales, I'm going to do better. And mm -hmm. she sold them this story of how great she was going to be and so on. And I only discovered that because one of the suppliers had copied me into an email. I don't think she meant to, but she did. And I read the whole thread and I just was about to fall apart. I remember uh, it was a, a midday evening, a weekday evening, and I the kids were home from school. I think my husband was back as well. And I just left them and I went for a run. Because and the went for a run, the first was my first instinct because I didn't want them to see me crying. And then my second reason was, you know, I had all of this pent up frustration and fear and everything and I just felt like it needed to go out so I just went for a run just put my trainers on and started running down my 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 high, the high street near me and um but by the time I did my turn to come back I knew exactly what I was going to do I was going to create my own brand of furniture and my own brand of linings and no one's going to tell me when to sell it where to sell it how to sell it or what to do with it. And so that began, that whole thing happened, I want to say in 20, uh, probably 2012, 20, 2012, 2013, about then. But it took 
a number of years. And finally, in 2021, January, we launched our brand of furniture and leanings and art. And the whole journey was needed because the designs that we offer today is based on the needs of our clients that we have, you know, understood over the years, their preferences, their tastes, the, the designs that sold well when we sold other brands, because we, we only now work with two other brands uh, currently, like besides our own brand. So the Baby Cut Shop brand, it's called the BCS brand, is the main uh, feature on our website in our shop. That's all you'll find there. And then there are a couple other brands that we also work very closely with. But we were able to garner all of the best features of what we had sold previously and all of the functionalities that moms liked. Mm -hmm. And we put it all together and then we created this beautiful collection, which is doing really well. So that's the, that's the story. And I did, we got onto King, King's Road was necessary because we, uh, obviously our furniture is- what Was that the first premises that you had in the- That's UK? our first premise. Yeah, that's our first and so far our only pro premises, but, but we do we intend to expand. So that happened in 20, 2017. Mm -hmm. And it was necessary because people kept saying, we want to try the chairs. We sell the most comfortable nursing chairs in the united kingdom without a doubt and people wanted to try it but for them to try it they you know you can't you cannot there are, there isn't enough words you can use to describe how uh, beautiful how safe and how stylish and how comfortable and practical and sturdy our furniture is like we try with words but and the website is undergoing a, a resurgence at the moment where we're re re redesigning it but it, it there's only so much it can do and people really do need to come in and sit and find the chairs comfortable and touch the furniture and see that it really is sturdy we had a client pop in uh, a, a few months ago to buy a cot because she had already purchased a cot but then have, she has a massive dog and the baby thankfully wasn't hadn't arrived yet but the the dog flips the cot over <laughs> and she's like I need something heavy I need something sturdy and she came to us and you cannot lift our cot by by yourself you know because we think we've thought about everything we thought of every scenario and the advantage as well of us manufacturing our own brand is that we are in control. So when anything changes, if the safety standards change, we change instantly. You know, we don't, we are not have, we, we don't have to contact countries, you know, many miles away and start telling them we need to get rid of our stock or anything like that. We, we don't do that. We make things uh, in small batches and then we finish them to order and we, we finish them for each client. So you can have your child's name uh, engraved on, on, on a piece or you can have their um, name embroidered on a pillowcase or a, a family monogram on carved onto the headboard of your cot. What there really isn't any, there's no limit to what you can do. And so there must have been a story about moving from online back into bricks and mortar again. So, mm -hmm. so you'd had experience over in the States, but it must have been quite different. In, it was, it yeah. was, it was different, but I had to lie to myself and say that it was not different. <laughs> I had to, because if I had taken in and absorbed all of the very real challenges and possibilities of what could go wrong, I wouldn't have gone for it. 
Mm. So I had to say to myself, you've done this before. You can do it again. It's no different. And that's literally my story. (laughs) 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 And I've also got an amazing mentor. My mentor was, he's, he's like a father figure, you know, because he, he he's he's a got extensive experience in the United Kingdom in the retail world. I was gonna say he's got ex- extensive experience in retail. He used to be uh, the uh, chief exec for for a household brand and so on. So he was very very key in giving me that confidence. I remember when I went to view the space, I really was not planning on re- emailing the agent to say, "Hey, I'm gonna take it." My intention was to play closer to my dream than I had been doing because I knew I wanted to have a physical location. Mm-hmm. But I also did not think I had the guts to do it. Mm-hmm. So I thought, let me just dance close to it. Let me go and view some spaces. I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna see and and get myself excited and maybe I'll get bold when I get there. And um my intention was let's do that for a period of time until the the courage levels were high enough to say I want the space. So I went to see this play. I, I, I passed a, a fall back to a few years earlier. I'd heard about this thing called a vision board. So I created a vision board, and it's about it's a pictorial representation of the life that you want. So I knew that I wanted to have a physical space in an affluent shop, uh, an affluent high street in London. So I'm doing this digitally, and I go onto Google and type in affluent high street London, and go into Google Images to pick one, and the first one was Kings Road. <laughs> so I. <laughs> Kings Road picture on my board and I had other things I wanted to do like mentor young children in schools and I wanted to uh, do public speaking and speak to corporations and employees and just encourage people and 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 tell, talk to them about the power of telling their own story I call it telling your rock star story that was a dream I had. And I put a picture of a woman speaking to a crowd and I put a picture of children in a classroom and, and I'm, I'm writing a book at the moment and I put a stack of published books and so on. So I put all of that on my vision board. And a few months after that, I get an email from an organization, a charity, and they say to me, we would love you to come and speak to the children mm-hmm. in in this school I'm like okay what's this about and it's called urban synergy and we speak to children and I still work with them in the in the inner city because they don't always get role models that they can uh, attach their dreams to or align their dreams to so we do that so that happened and I forgot all about the Kings Road one because my vision board which I had printed and laminated on an A3 piece of paper. I stuck it on the wall in my room and it dropped and had now fallen on the mantelpiece and it was now covered with lotions and potions and nail varnish and everything. So I, it was just sitting behind all of these bottles. And so now this day I go, I was doing a client's home in Kensington. I was designing a nursery, which meant I was going back and forth every day. And I had been going by public transport And one particular day, I had a lot of things to carry. I thought, I'll just drive. So I drove down. And while I was driving back home, I noticed that I was going across Kings Road. I thought, huh, this is interesting. So I drive back and I go onto Kings Road. I said, let's just drive down. So I drive down Kings Road and I see Toilette and I see this space. I see a double-fronted store and it says Toilette on it. It's all painted in black. 
So I take a picture of the of the sign and I emailed the agent. There was no price, you know, on their website. So I emailed them and he sends me the rent, the lease and all of the terms and everything. And I thought, hmm, I think I can do this. In terms of figures, it's very similar to what I was paying in rent in the United States, even though I knew the exchange rate was not the same. But I just used that and I said, folks, we're going to lie to ourselves here. And we're going to say that this is just you repeating what you did before. And this time there's no recession. So I uh, sent him and I said, I'd really love to see the space. And he says, yeah, you can come pick the key up. So I go there, I call my mentor and I say, hey, I've seen looking at this space. And he goes, that would be awesome. That would be really good. So we go to, so we meet there, we go in and, and it's actually uh, two floors. So it's the ground floor and there's a basement and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, I mean, it was a dump, you know, and he goes, talks, this is amazing. I think this will be perfect. And I'm thinking, I did not mean to, like, no, <laughs> this, I wasn't being serious. This was not, you know, we're not ready yet. And he is like, yeah, yeah, this is great. You can do this. So now he had written a book for small business owners and it had just been published. Mm -hmm. And in there, he used me as a case study when he talked about mentoring in business. And he says to me, um, why don't you, let's go, let's go and you can give me a testimonial about this book. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So we go to the back of the shop and um, standing there and I'm holding the book and doing this, he's recording me and we're doing this video testimonial and I'm saying all these wonderful things about Roland, his name's Roland G. And he's like, yeah, I'm saying all this. And he says, stop, stop, stop. Why don't you add that and in December, I'm going to be opening my shop on the King's Road. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I thought, no. He goes, yeah. And I said, do you think that I'll be able to do this by December? He goes, of course, you have to. And there was something about the way he said you have to that reminded me so much about my father and the way my dad would say, you have to. My dad's an ex-military officer as well. So... Um, so that was it. So I began to very gingerly send an email to the agent to say, I'd like to put an offer in. So we first go sit down and then he, we go, I, I said, I, I need to know what this, what this is, the reality of what this is. Then he, we do estimates on what utilities will be and, and all of the things I need. You need an alarm system and you need this and you need that and decoration and all of that stuff. So we listed everything. And I keep staring at the figure and I think I should be able to do this. I really should. And then um, we part ways and I spend the next few, maybe the next few weeks looking for what I call, or should I say building what I call my bank of evidence, which is proof that it can be done. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I did was go down to Harrods and I went to the children's department and I saw looked at the children's dresses. I'm not, I don't sell kids. We sell a small selection of baby clothing, layette, but children's clothes, not really. And I see this particular brand of children's clothes that had a dress for, I want to say 48,000 pounds. Yes. <laughs> and I see they have all the dresses, 16,000 pounds and 8,000 pounds. And I thought if people will spend... 16,000 pounds, 20,000 pounds on a dress, mm -hmm. surely they'll be able to spend 2,000 pounds on a cot. Mm -hmm. And that was part of my 
the way that I had to train my mind to accept what I was about to step into. And then I would, I will remember going down Kings Road and there used to be a sock shop on there. And I thought, surely if you can pay rent selling socks, <laughs> I should be able to pay rent selling cots and nursery rooms. <laughs> Amazing. Well, we're actually coming to the end of the podcast. <laughs> and the meeting in a few minutes. Um, so I'm going to have to wind this up. But what an amazing story. Um, if you had to give one piece of advice for someone thinking about starting their own business, whether it's an architectural practice um, or something else, what, what would you say? I would say spend time introspection in introspection in self-reflection the answers are always with, within you you are going to come across challenges and situations you didn't bargain for but if you spend time getting to know who you are on the inside you will gain the confidence to approach obstacles because there is there's so much business advice out there like the practical stuff for the finances and so on and so forth but I think that there is an area where there we don't talk about enough and that is mindset mm -hmm. your mindset has got to be strong enough to take you through the situations that the books don't talk to you about and the situations you didn't bargain for so spend time getting to know yourself and practice being your authentic self because you really are enough I believe that if the idea came to you in the first instance it's only because it's possible I truly believe that Thank you very much. And what a lovely way to close the uh, podcast. Well, thank you very much, Tux, for coming on. And I look forward to following your story. And I'll be going on to the Baby Cart website to have a look and um, following you on your socials. And it'd be good to meet up at some point. Absolutely. We've got to meet up. Thank you for having me, Lisa. I really appreciate it. And I've enjoyed our chat. Thank you for joining me, Lisa Raines, for Architecture in the Den. If you want to find out about franchising, check out our website, prideroadfranchise.co.uk. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe and leave a review. And do get in touch through your favourite platform if you'd like to be a guest.